I'm Jenna Poff Gray, founder and artistic director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 81 of Theatre Forward. For this episode, I am thrilled to be talking with our guest, Randy Bryant, Executive Director of Ten Chimneys Foundation in Genesee Depot, Wisconsin. For those of you theatre lovers who have never heard of Ten Chimneys, you are in for a treat. Welcome, Randy. Thank you, Jennifer. It is so exciting to have you here, partly because I love talking with you and partly because I suspect many people listening to this conversation have not heard of 10 Chimneys and I can't wait for them to be introduced to the wonder. And so can you start us off by just telling us what 10 Chimneys is and it's a little about its history? Sure. So 10 Chimneys is the estate of Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine, who were the premier stage actors from the 20s to the 60s. And their state was truly the place for artistic expression um, where all of the theater greats would come. So uh, Catherine Hepburn, so Laurence Olivier, uh, Helen Hayes, Harold Channing, they all spend their summers out here. So when you think about theater history, Ten Chimneys is really ground zero for American theater. Um, today, we offer tours to the public. It is a house museum that's dedicated to American theater. Um, but it's also a place for artistic expression and inspiration. I, having been there, I've taken the tours, I've participated in some events there. I just have to um, sort of vouch for how magical an experience it is for someone who is invested, not just in the American theater and, and um, the value of that, but also in the contributions that are made here in the Midwest, um, in this region, to, to know that there's this tiny little hamlet, Genesee Depot, yes. sort of halfway between Madison and Milwaukee out in the countryside and that you can show up and find this gorgeous little house and know that these legends would come and vacation here is um, it's pretty magical to walk through the kitchen and see the you know recipes and the the handwriting on the phone pad. Oh, here's Carol Channing's phone number, you know, and oh, you know, Olivier slept in that bed. It's well, you know, cool. it's really it's a really credit to the town of Genesee Depot. And I really want to give them that credit because um, for this to exist and, and it exists for years and they were really um, very uh, careful to make sure that the lunch had their privacy. So while it's a well cared secret, um, you know, there's pros and cons with that, you know, because it is one of these great, um, uh, great historic places in Wisconsin that um, many people did not know was here. And even today, many people don't know. But when they do find out, they're really just in awe because Ten Chimneys is almost like a time capsule. It's a place where you're able, it's, it's great for escapism. You're escaping into the gentility of a world past. And um, so, you know, we're, we're thrilled to have it, to have restored it. Um, and so it, while it's open to the public and it's for the public, uh, its mainstay has really been for American theater. Tell me a little more about, so when did the foundation start? And sure. tell me a little more about some of the works that the foundation does, aside from obviously maintaining the estate and overseeing this opportunity for house tours. Sure. So the, uh, the foundation, uh, well, basically it started a little earlier. Lynn died in 1983. And when she died, her brother-in-law, George Bugby, 
Um, he basically took the estate, closed the doors, locked it up, and left it as it was. So we have everything from their toothbrush, their toothpaste, their underwear, their uh, Listerine, everything as it was with the lunch, which is different than most house museums because typically it's an interpretation. This is what this is what the lunch, uh, what their life was. And so for 12 years, uh, it was locked up. As you can imagine with any house, uh, especially an older home that has not been cared for, uh, it was in a, um, an era of decay. And so the foundation purchased it in 1996. And uh, $12 million later, we have 10 chimneys, uh, all polished up and ready for the public. So what the foundation offers, um, it's um, not only is it the tours to the public, but it's also for American theater, it's uh, programs for, um, there's retreats. Um, and so the, whether it's the Actors Guild or um, uh, the Directors Guild, um, they're actually coming out here uh, for retreats in order to not only just rejuvenate, but also to, um, in many cases, as a think tank. In addition to that, Cabaret in the Drawing Room at 10 Chimneys, where uh, you have New York uh, uh, cabaret singers that would come in. And they play on the Noel Coward piano. Hmm. Um, we have other programs that really focus on uh, the actor themselves. And our preeminent program is the Lafontaine Fellowship Program, which is for actors that have a minimum of 20 years of acting experience. And they work under the tutelage of um, a actor that typically has 30 plus years. Um, and under that tutelage, they work on various different projects. So we've done against type with Felicia Rashad, um, where these are roles that you always wanted to be considered for, but would never have an opportunity to play. Um, with Alan Alder, we did spontaneity on the stage, um, which is really fantastic. But, you know, Olympia Dukakis was with Chekhov. And so several of the actors um, remain in residence. So Olympia Dukakis in residence, uh, Jason Alexander, Felicia Rashad, um, Steve McKinley Henderson. Um, but I'm happy to say we started the program with Lynn Redgrave. And when you think of why was Lynn Redgrave so important? Well, the Redgraves and the Lunds were very close. And so Lynn Redgrave was actually named after Lynn Fontaine. And during the war, um, um, the Lunds offered to take little Lynn Redgrave and to uh, keep the kids here at 10 Chimneys so they would avoid the war. Mm. Mm. And, and the fellowship, you know, talk a little more about the fellowship because, uh, you know, I have always just been so thrilled that that program exists because I know it, it's really supporting regional theater actors. And I know yes. that companies around the country can nominate an actor yeah. that they work with. So to talk a little more about yeah. that. Yeah, let me give it to you in detail. So um, basically we have the partner theaters and typically they're the Lord theaters or Shakespeare theaters uh, around the country. And um, there's, so we have, uh, today we have 84 partner theaters that we work with. And uh, then they make, uh, they nominate up to three actors each year. Um, they go through a process where we look at them and, and it really is based upon uh, those actors that are really highly respected in their community. And many people call it the mentor, the mentor program. So, whereas, you know, they come out, they've been, they've been mentors to others. Now this is where they come in order to rejuvenate themselves. Um, and then working under the tutelage of this master teachers there. Um, and we're, we're trying to avoid calling them teachers because they're really not teaching. These people already 
uh, top in their profession, but they're really coming for that rejuvenation. So they look at ways in which they can be rejuvenated and also by being able to take the time. Uh, whereas, you know, in theater today, everything is rushed, rushed, rushed. And so you really don't have the time to even take to uh, uh, to perfect your craft even more so or look at those things that, hey, I really like to focus on this. So um, and as the Luntz did with many others, they um, um, they really focus on what are the aspects of the craft that we really need to uh, pay greater attention to. Um, and what had, what has come from that also are the workshops that we do, because just like the lunch, they will pull together um, directors, play, uh, playwrights, um, actors, and they would uh, work on, on um, developing a play. Well, we're doing the same thing today where you know, we workshop many, many plays that may be in development. Um, and, uh, but in no way are we producing theater, but we will always be there in order to help those actors, directors, and um, uh, playwrights pull it together in order to make it happen, bring it to fruition. That's fantastic. Tell, tell me a little bit about what brought you to 10 Chimneys and, and what sort of started your involvement with the organization. Sure. So I've always been a, a theater lover. Uh, uh, I'm an architecture historian and preservationist, but in my, um, I was living out of the country for a long period of time when I was repatriating, um, that's when Tin Chimneys was actually being sold. Um, and so the, the first chair of the board for Tin Chimneys was a neighbor and he knew that I had this love for um, um, architecture. And, and so he asked me to come out. I came out and I was just blown away. I mean, Tin Chimneys was really, it was like this shabby place that you knew was uh, one time this uh, amazing, wonderful estate. And um, I felt that yes, this really is deserving of being restored. But um, um, I was really busy. And then the company I was working for, they asked me to stay longer um, and manage our relationship in Argentina. So I stayed longer. And then finally, when I was able to be released, um, I started up at 10 Chimneys on the board and I was on the board for 10 years and I had my uh, year gap. And during that time, the um, uh, executive director left. And so they were doing a search, they had a failed search. And then they, um, <laughs> I'll never forget the, the board chair at the time we were at um, an event. And she said, Randy, she said, if you know of anyone, and then she stopped mid sentence, and you can tell like, bing, bing, bing. And, um, and so then that's how I came. I, I always thought it was a great, um, great job, a great opportunity. And so I, I've been um, running 10 Chimneys now for 10 years and I'm just happy. I feel it feels all my passions, you know, being a theater lover and, um, you know, with the architecture as well as just the whole preservation issue. It's been really fun, fantastic. Well, they're certainly lucky to have you there. Uh, talk a little bit about how 10 Chimneys managed during these last couple of years during the pandemic. Sure. The, um, it's interesting. Um, I come, I have a corporate background. And so in corporations, you know that you, um, you're always preparing for this rainy day and you're always quarterly focused. And um, so, you know, we have been really, um, 
preserving cash for a period of time, to be quite honest. I was expecting for the change in economy because everything can't be boom, 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 up, up, up. And so we were uh, really right-sizing the organization and really focused on just what our key mission is and um, preparing for the downturn economy. We did not expect it to be the pandemic. And so fortunately, we were able to close and um, uh, and really just preserve the cash. And so, um, uh, yeah, so it's, but it hasn't been hard. It's been extremely hard just not being open to the public. You know, you want to, you want to share the estate to the public. And uh, so not being able to do so was difficult, but also not having the actors in. So all the programming um, having to stop. So the, the fellowship, it's been three years now since we've had fellows in. And um, the pandemic has made it hard because, you know, just the preparation for bringing people in is, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, God, it's, well, I can tell you right now, it's four times as expensive as it was yeah. before. Sure. And so not only do you have the cost, but you also have just the whole mindset of everyone. And then having everyone mask up, mm -hmm. you know, that has been really difficult because you don't get the full um, expression um, having people in mass. And then it's uncomfortable for, for the actors to, to try to express themselves with the mask on. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's been hard. That sigh you gave, I felt very relatable. <laughs> yep. Uh -huh. that, yep. Uh -huh. Well, and Randy, I want to make sure that you um, have a chance to talk a little bit as well about um, some of the work that, that you've really been leading through Fen, yeah. through 10 Chimneys um, on the issues of, of racial equity in our field yeah. and really um, putting the resources of 10 Chimneys behind some really creative um, initiatives to, sure. to improve things. So I'd, I'd love for you to talk about that. Sure. So um, uh, with at 10 Chimneys, we try to address those uh, major issues that are affecting American theater. And uh, we actually thought it'd be hypocritical to miss out on the major issue at the time that was affecting American theater. And um, so we were having a, uh, prior to the pandemic, um, in uh, the March of the, that year earlier, we were having a summit and we were, had several issues that were down. Race was one of them. During, um, during the pandemic, uh, we had George Floyd uh, happen and many other um, issues start coming up. And so that's when we said, this is the perfect time to have the summit. So we put together um, the summit on racism in the theater. And we had a lot of pushback where people did not want to call it racism in the theater, but we felt that um, how could you not call it that? Whether you're, whether you're addressing what's there or trying to avoid it taking place. So we thought it's the appropriate name. And there was so many lessons that were learned, um, but it was out there and we felt that it was the perfect time to really address those major issues. We decided not to let it push back. And we felt that if you, if everybody walked out of there feeling that um, with no emotions and calm, 
we didn't dig deep enough because the issues are there, they're real, they're, um, and you can't avoid them. And uh, what we have found um, during the summits was that many people were really trying to avoid, they had um, developed tactics of deflection and uh, because they didn't want to really hit the real issues. Um, and, but the other thing is just the systemic racism, how it creeps in where, you know, people unknowingly um, uh, were participating. And um, so when they, when they started reflecting, when they started hearing the pain of those that were impacted, but the impact was on many different sides. It wasn't just one way or, so there's many different ways of looking at it. And I think it really was an eye opener. For, I shouldn't say, I think it was an eye opener for everyone um, on many fronts. And, but the creation of it was really interesting because we want to make sure that you didn't just um, talk to frontline people, but that you really wanted to, we integrated. So we, um, the summit was developed with, the uh, board chairs of the theater, the artistic director, the managing director, um, and then the uh, Black Theater United. So we wanted to get the senior management within theater, pull them together and have them all um, be in a room and address those issues, those decision makers. And uh, it was phenomenal. It was really just seeing, was there a tense moment? Absolutely. Was there, um, um, uh, people that were hurt? Absolutely. Was there a great awareness? Absolutely. Was there uh, evolution? No question. All these things took place, but people participated. And the one thing that we had was that it truly was Vegas. What happens here stays here um, because you, we had to develop trust. And I think that's one of the reasons why it worked out so well is that with Tin Chimney's reputation and being trustworthy with all the theaters, it allowed, it, it provided that space that we can work in and really just reveal um, just the ugliness that was happening within theater, but also looking at how can we correct it? What are the issues that we can um, put in, what were the, the things we could put in place in order to make sure that uh, there was an equitable environment for everyone? Mm -hmm. I just, I just want to, you know, highlight how, important and valuable it was that this was happening because um, so often um, the sort of public discourse of what's happening in the theater in America is, is so focused on, on New York. And yeah. this is, this was a situation where you were pulling together leadership from regional theaters across yeah. the country, whose mission and focus is serving the audiences and the artists in their region and right. knowing that, that that's where the vast majority of American theater artists work. And Absolutely. so addressing their, their needs, their concerns, their reality, um, and to leverage 10 chimneys reputation, your own reputation as a leader in the field, um, yeah. to bring people together and, and to do it in that very, um, uh, safe space, uh, safe's not the right word, yeah, but, but it is word. not the right word, but a, a, a space that encouraged honesty and, yeah. uh, and trust. And, and you know, uh, Jen, you're, you're hitting so many things there because when you look at it, first of all, um, it's moving people beyond their comfort. Yeah. Um, because if people had their druthers, they would have stayed in a comfortable place, even within 10 chimneys, you know, the, um, 
for me to put myself out there when you really don't have to, yeah, you know, you can stay comfortable, but to put yourself out there and say, we're going to hit these issues. These are there, these are real. And then having, but the beauty is that the issues came up from the people within the region. This was not us saying, this is what it is. You know, we were just the facilitator. We provided the, the space in order for people to speak um, openly. And I have to give tons of credit to uh, Chanel Ward, who facilitated the, uh, the sessions. Um, and, and I, but I also want to give credit to all those that participated because you think about to spend six hours on a Zoom each time, to spend 36 hours um, just discussing race, and to have um, eight, almost 80 theaters that are there, and they have, you know, you have to spend all, your, all the time there. And, but to be committed to it. So it speaks to them that, hey, it, it's, I was proud of theater, to be quite honest. As hard and as painful as the discussions were, I was really proud because they didn't skirt the issue. We really um, uh, focused on the issues. Uh, many theaters had different ways in which they were going to attack, which is great. But I think that the important message also is that there is no one way and there is no one group. There are many groups that are were working on um, creating a, a um, environment of inclusion and that are still working today. So uh, no one can take credit for saying that I did this, I did that. We're all working collectively together. The one thing I'm proud of Tim Chimneys is that from a, a theater community, large theater community, coast to coast, we were able to convene and bring everyone together where they knew this was a serious meeting where theater, um, theater was in trouble. And uh, if you think about everything that was going on at that time, theater was paralyzed, shaking in their boots. And, um, and this helped move the needle. And um, so it's something that we all can, that we will have to continuously work on. I think we know that um, in the past, what, um, what um, you know, boards love and management that you can wrap it up in a bowl and we put it away. Race will never be that. Right. You know, it's one of those things that we're always going to have to constantly work on. And I think that that awareness is there. And, and um, uh, we had, um, there were some ugly things that were said, but they were out of ignorance. And I think that that's the piece that, um, um, oh, and one other, if you ask me, is there um, a great takeaway? And is that you can't expect for other people to educate you. You have to educate yourself. So, and we had um, a young, I'll never forget, this a young intern. And uh, she was watching the whole summit and she was just amazed. And um, there, was, there was white vigility that I, like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. and she said that white people can't expect black people to be their Google. They have to do their own search. I'm like, wow, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as we start to, to wrap the conversation up, I just one of the things that I love the most about about 10 Chimneys as an institution is that it really does feel like that rare 
um, organization in our field that you've got a foot in the past and in the present and in the future. You know, you're 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 preserving this incredible chapter of history um, in in our field. Uh, you're doing so much to support the theater artists right now in our present with these fellowships and all these opportunities to come and, as you say, rejuvenate. But then you also by hosting so many symposiums and retreats and conversations, you have an opportunity to really have your finger on the pulse of what's what's the future yeah. of our industry. And I wonder, you know, if, if you have any strong feelings from what you've been hearing from folks um, in, in your events about what what the future of American theater looks like. Well, there's a few things we have to get together. And, you know, the, the biggest issue that's affecting American theater today is audience and audience development. Yeah. And so the, um, and that's across the country, it's that way. Um, and the, so it's something we're gonna have to work on, but it's on many different levels. For example, uh, we talk about inclusion and wanting people to come into the theater and bring in new audiences. But when you bring in new audiences, you have to be prepared also to listen to their feedback. You know, they're not gonna look at it and listen to it the way that you're looking at it, you know, there's another perspective that's coming in here. So you have to be open and willing to learn. Um, the other thing is that the um, um, there is such a major benefit in uh, developing new audiences because those those audiences will then open up other doors for you. And even where the funding or and there's so many different things. And so we have to not be myopic in terms of how we look at things. We really have to, it really forces us to be open. And that's what theater is all about. You know, the one thing I love about theater is that it has really shepherded America along mm -hmm. on many different difficult issues that are out there. The other piece that we truly believe here at 10 Chimneys is that uh, London can have its national theater, but our regional theaters is our national theater. Mm -hmm. And it is our national theater community. Um, and that's the one thing we can't forget. We're a, all uh, this one community and it's, it's professional theater. The, um, and there's many different levels of professional theater, but I think that the theater that we're offering, you can be really pinpointed in terms of what you're offering is and what your mission is in terms of theater. And then you can very, be very broad, but um, nevertheless, we will never replace live performance. And I think that that's one thing the pandemic has shown. People are thirsty for it again, um, but we are fearful today because we, and we have to figure out what is that balance for us in order to make sure that people's comforts are there. Because the pandemic is, you know, we thought this was a year and done or two years and done. It's not, you know, and so we have to learn how, how are we going to live with this pandemic? Uh, or others that will come. Yeah. Well, Randy, I am so grateful to you for joining us and for everyone listening. If you uh, are in the Midwest already or ever find yourself here, make sure you schedule time to go and take a tour of 10 Chimneys. It is uh, something you will never, ever forget. Well, Jim, thank you so much. And there's, uh, there's so much more that we have to offer. And I'm, I, I just want to say to everyone, whether you're young or you're older, um, Ten Chimneys is that special place, but not only for American theater, but it's also that place in order to let you see just how we as America 
have really how we have grown and how what the opportunities are for us for the future. Because the past, you know, the one thing that we can see is that what did they do in the past? What did the lunch that they had a full life, they had a wonderful life. And so we focus on how can you live your best life as a lunch student? Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Well, we will leave it there and say that that is all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Opoff Gray. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter at Theater Forward, as always with an ER. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on any platform that you prefer and be sure to leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.